lives will be impacted because of the anointing that rests on your word. And so have your way in this service tonight. Be glorified. We give you the glory in advance for all the good that will come out of it. In Jesus' name. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Anyone else just love the presence of God? Man, it's just, I'm telling you, there's nothing I love more. You can sense it, too. Anyone can sense when you're in the presence of God. It's just a beautiful worship song. Just love on someone tonight, then you can be seated. Just tell them God bless you. Let them know it's good to see you. Were you all blessed by Minister Deanna Joe on last week? Praise God. Good, good. Well, I, I want to get somewhere tonight, and so I want to go right back to where we left off at. We're, we're in a series entitled Every Single Christian, and it's for singles, marriage, divorce. We're going to get more into the divorced aspect, widowed aspect of it tonight, but it really covers all aspects of who we are as individuals. And so we really left off... Uh, talking about the subject of being divorced and really the duties and responsibilities. We gave some scriptural reasons. Can anyone tell me what the, really the main reason for divorce is? Does anyone remember? What is the main reason? Sexual immorality, right? That is the one that, that clears uh, not the person who uh, committed the act. So in other words, I can't commit it and then go to my wife and say, I don't want to be with you anymore because I committed adultery. Everybody remember that, right? Everyone clear? All right. Um, we know that fornication, sexual immorality is the primary reason. We also looked at, you know, people get into unlawful arranged marriages, different things like that. And so they're free from those once they're of, of age to realize what, what they've kind of gotten or what their families have gotten them into. And really, we looked at other unscriptural reasons as well. And so go back with me tonight, duties of those that are divorced. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to pick up there tonight, and then we're going to go from there with everything that we'll need to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You know, the more I study this, the more I rededicate myself to my marriage. And it's not that it was off, but it's just every time I grow and I understand this more, it makes me more serious about my marriage. I mean, marriage is like anything else. If you've been in it a long time, you can become complacent in your marriage. Until you begin studying things and you understand really how God sees it and you start seeing it from his perspective, then you desire to grow and you want to please him more and more. First Corinthians chapter 7, I want to show you something. I didn't show you all this the last time. Go back to verse 10. Verse 10 says, now to the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. And I want to emphasize that because later on he's going to say that he has permission to share something, but it's not necessarily from the Lord. And I want to show you the distinction between the two. But this statement here, he says, is from who? The Lord, right? So he says, yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. So in other words, she's not to divorce her husband. All right? Everyone's clear there. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried. So then this tells us that a woman in a marriage that may be under distress, I mean, no, she is free to separate or he is free to separate from that stressful environment. Can everyone see that? All right, but how I many know while separated, that's not the time to explore other options? Sometimes that's just game, right? Well, I did that while we were apart. Right? Okay. Watch this now. Because it's so strong, and the more I meditate it, the stronger it gets in me. It says, but let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her what? So this says two different things here. Uh, People can live in a separated state for the rest of their lives. But it doesn't give them the permission to marry anybody else. Or live a life because I'm not with my husband or or my wife. Everybody clear? And and you're going to see, well, let me just keep going. But here's the goal, I believe. Let her remain unmarried or be what? Reconciled to her what? All right, so the primary goal then in separation is either to remain unmarried 
or to reconcile with my husband. We know the opposite of that would be true as well, or my wife, right? And that's the goal. So if we're going to be separated, how many know we can't explore the options if the goal is to figure out how we need to fix our situation? And I want to go on record with this. Every marriage that has two true born-again believers in it can be repaired. And it can be repaired so well that it can come back better than whatever broke it. And that's just those two individuals believing what God said and acting on what God said, and they'll have heaven on earth in their marriage. Do you all believe that? No one is too far gone that the word can't bring them back. God didn't give up on you, so we shouldn't give up on other people. And you're going to see that in the word of God today, okay? All right, watch this now. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Now watch what he says here. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say. Isn't that interesting? So this tells us then Paul is saying this by permission. So we need to take this with a grain of salt, right? And we really don't want to form doctrine on it if we can't find it supported anywhere else in the Scripture. It's probably speaking specifically to this current situation. Would you all agree with that? All right, let's read what he says. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, then let him not divorce her. Now, we can't spread this any wider than what it's saying. We've got to be true to what it's actually saying and accurate. Now, we're talking about someone that's married to someone who is an unbeliever, which means they probably married them that way, right? Or these are the other things that happen. Both are unbelievers while they're single, and then one gets saved after marriage. Well, in a lot of cases, the person who's not ready to get saved still loves their spouse. They just don't want church. And believe it or not, in a lot of cases, they want God. They don't want church. All right. If she's willing to live with him, then let her not divorce or let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband and does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, then let not uh, him or her divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified or set apart by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified, set apart by the husband. Otherwise, the children would be unclean, but now they are uh, holy. Now watch this very carefully. But if the unbeliever departs, let him go. Isn't that interesting? As my grandmother would say, let the doorknob where the good Lord. Anybody have grandparents like that? My grandmother didn't play, boy. You try all that all you want to, boy. Grandma getting ready to, you ready to get a switch upside your head. Quick, all right? Watch this now. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. Brother and sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so now let's think it all the way through. Is it possible then to marry someone who what? I just had this question come up, which is what made me study this and and come back around to it. Then is it possible to marry someone who once was a believer, but for some reason stopped believing? Wouldn't that fall under this category? Because this person was really in bondage to the spouse that wouldn't, didn't want to come to church, wouldn't serve, didn't believe in that no more. And I had to go dig a little bit because it was kind of, I didn't think God wanted her to live like that. Is this making sense? So, so wouldn't that fall under the same category? So if he wants to go, let him go. If he's turned away from the faith. And if she wants to go, now, this is what I told this particular person. Don't stop praying for them, and I'm getting ready to show you why. But yet again, don't let them bring you down. Watch what I'm getting ready to show you, okay? Everything I'm reading to you is in the Bible. Watch this now. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage. I showed you it goes both ways, right, in such cases. But God has called us to peace. But how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? How do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? So now, 
Remember I talked about earlier, two or three witnesses, right? Remember how in 1 Peter, we won't go look at it tonight, chapter 3 says that the unbelieving husband can be won by what? The lifestyle of the wife. So either one has a choice, and then later on in that text, it says likewise in verse 7 to the husband, which means the same text prior to that, verses 1 through 6, applies to him also, right? Everyone agree? Which means choices here are to either get out of this situation, continue to pray for them, right? God send laborers across their path, or if that person wants to go, let them go, Right? Or just live a life before them that is so God-fearing, let God deal with them. But don't you try to deal with them. Everybody clear? Is there enough balance in that for everyone in this room? I'm not just speaking to the 100 or so, 150 people that are in this room. I'm speaking to thousands of people on SoundCloud as well. This was a legitimate question. Listen, be free. They're an unbeliever prior to or after, and they want to go. I will say it this way. I'm not holding on to anybody. Either you want to be here or you don't. But God holds me under no bondage in that situation. Why? Think about what he said because he's called us to peace. So we're getting ready to knock each other's head off in the same environment. We need to get out of this same environment. Other thing is, some people are staying something so long that they'll let the other person drain the life right out of them. And how many know I'm not giving my soul to anybody? All right. Okay. All right. Everybody clear there? All right. So we in the building now. See. Come on, how many of y'all know you're teaching the word? When it hits the baby spirit right there. Say, we, we ain't got to live in no bondage. That's God right there. Amen. All right, so, so everyone's still with me, right? So we want to really avoid adultery at all costs. Now, I can't go back and say everything that I said before, so let me just remind you the things that I said. Adultery is never the other person's fault. It is the individual's fault, right? Remember what we read in Matthew 12? You either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else you make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. But we're going to know you by your fruit, right? Later on in the 15th chapter, the disciples still didn't understand that. And he said in the 17th verse, are you still yet without understanding? It's not the things that enter into the man that defile the man. It's the things that come out of it. For out of the abundance of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, right? When you go back to Matthew chapter 12, it's the evil treasure, right? That word treasure, that means deposit. So a person made their heart that way. I can't be any clearer to this. If my wife went out and cheated, that's, I'm not getting ready to go cheat because she did, because adultery is not in my heart. Is everybody clear? All right, and so this is why I want to help so many people in here on both sides, males and females. So many times we think when someone chose to go and have extracurricular activity, we think, what was wrong with me? What did I do wrong? In a lot of cases, nothing. That person was making deposits it drove them in that direction. Okay. Listen to me. I'm not going to have any level of low self-esteem if somebody did something like that to me. That's, I ain't, that's, I'm not going to hang. Look, I'm going to get a new suit. And, and this, is why, this is why we minister on every single Christian. Every person in the marriage is still responsible for their personal growth and development. And at any point, one stops. How I many you know it can cause problems within that marriage? Right, everybody still with me? Now, we left off talking about Matthew chapter 5. We won't turn there again. But remember what Jesus said. If a man looks at a woman to lust at her, he's already what? So he said, if your right eye offends you, then do what? It's really better to go into heaven maimed than it is to have all of your parts, right? Was he... Was he really physically talking about plucking your eye out? What are we talking about here? Removing the distraction. And everyone has to know what your issues are. 
right? You, you've got to know you. And then don't play around with your trigger points. Listen, I'm very in tune with who I am, and I know what they are. Listen, this is how I'm so far-fetched. As God is my witness, let me show you how Satan is. Satan is a master at putting situations in your way. When I left here after ministering this two Thursdays ago, I realized I didn't have gas. I pull up at the gas station right near my house. Two vehicles pull up. One lady stays in the car. This lady gets out of the car. Very aggressive, very beautiful, aggressive female. She walks up. She says, nice car, handsome man, dressed nice. How are you? I'm like, boy, this is this easy today in 2000. I'm glad I'm not the way I used to be. You all understand? I mean, true story. God is my witness. May the anointing lift off of me right now if there's any level of exaggeration in here. So I respond to her, I'm doing well. How are you? She said, I'm doing well. Well, what do you do? I said, well, first let me tell you who I am. Then I'll tell you what I do. Who I am is a husband to my lovely wife and, and my, uh, my, my, my two beautiful children. And what I do is I'm actually just leaving our midweek Bible study. We just had church. I'm a pastor. Listen to this. She didn't hear none of that. Like I didn't say a word of that. Well, I work right over here. Let me give you my card. Well, matter of fact, let me just give you my, let me get, get my phone. I said, you don't need to get your phone. No, because I could probably help your church. I said, you can't help my church, and you can't give me your phone number. This, this true story. This is what I said. How would I look going home with your phone number in my phone, and I don't know you? Well, let me give you one of my cards. I said, no, my wife is actually the person about insurance needs that you would talk to. She handles all of that stuff in the house. So, so if you see her around, we work out at the gym. We live right over here. I'm sure if you live in this area, we'll run into each other again. She didn't hear none of that either. <laughs> well, my number is, I said, man, what, what part of this don't you understand? I'm not taking your card in my house. I'm not taking your number. I'm not even planting that seed in my wife's head. That makes no sense. All she could say at that point was, oh. She goes back, gets in her car, and she pulls off. Now, what, I'm, what am I teaching you here? If something was in my heart, you just took advantage of that moment right there. Because she was clearly willing and not concerned about your private life. All right. Everybody still with me? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of situations come all the time, don't they? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? If it's in your heart, you're going to have plenty of opportunities for it to come out of your heart. So don't worry about the opposite sex. Worry about the condition of your heart. If you take care of the condition of your heart, you don't have to worry about the opposite sex. See, so let's stop trying not to do something and work on putting good deposits in our heart. Come on, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. Come on, cold showers don't help this. Come on, somebody. I don't care. You can try whatever you want. The only antidote is to put the word in your heart and get all the other stuff out of your heart. Amen. All right. Now. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. I want to bless a professional athlete. Really blessed me. Never been to the church and uh, inboxed me on Facebook. And he said, man, I'm telling you, I'm trying to live a saved life out here, but it's just, it's tough. And uh, he's never been to the church. I've never met him. I look forward to meeting him. He said their season just ending, and he is going to come to the church. He's from the Atlanta area. He's going to come to the church as soon as he gets here. But it was from the previous week's message with me just being transparent with where I came from. And he was just so appreciative to hear a pastor not trying to act like he was perfect. And that he never went through anything. And so, what am I saying to you all? Just be who you are. And grow from where you are. But don't try to be something that you're not. Because everybody's one day is going to find out who you really are. Everybody clear? All right. Now, Matthew chapter 5. Okay? Let me show you the strong language here that the scripture uses. Which is why, if you're single, you want to think about these things. If you're married... 
You want to think about these things before you do things. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. Uh, we want to adul- avoid adultery at all costs when we're actually married, okay? And when you're divorced, you've got to understand that being divorced also means something. So are you the one that did the violating or were you the one uh, innocent in the situation? Okay, let's read the scripture very clearly, very slowly. I tried to find the balance in all of this. There is none. It is just straightforward. Matthew chapter 5, 31 says, Furthermore, it has been said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give a certificate of divorce. Now notice what it started off saying. It has been said. So this is being quoted from somewhere else, right? Which is Deuteronomy chapter 24, when Moses was giving them a letter and the law for divorce, okay? So he says here, it has been said, whosoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Watch this. But I say to you that whosoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality, watch this, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery, which is why you want to go real slow and ask all the questions. Right? A person who has gone through a divorce, I mean, you know, they need to understand their history and they need to have worked through their history. Or history will repeat itself. If the person is the one that did the cheating in the marriage, They need to understand why they did it, and they need to have already worked through that. Okay, listen to me, single people, when you come across situations like this. How will you know whether or not they've worked themselves through that? How are they treating you? Right? Because if they can't control themselves with you, what's changed? Absolutely nothing. We're all okay in here? Right? And so we want to go real slow, especially if there are children involved. You want to be real slow to bring people around your children. Because they're very impressionable. Right? Go real slow. But it's gone, I'm telling you, a person who has not worked through that is still out of control. And they're going to be very aggressive with you. So I just use common sense. If they're like this on me, and we're not married, what are they like when we're not together? Or what if we run into some challenges in our marriage? Is that the answer? Sure is quiet uh, tonight. <laughs> Th- things that make you go, what? Hmm. All right, let's read it another way. Go to Romans chapter 7. It's good stuff, isn't it? Go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Let's look at it another way. Mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, you have to understand if you're come out of a divorce, dating someone who was divorced, understand everything that's involved in that. Were they the innocent party in the divorce or were they the offending party in the divorce? Right? And then extensive counseling conversations need to take place to see whether or not they have worked themselves through whatever that is. Right? If they have not worked through that history, history is bound to repeat itself. All right. Romans, Romans chapter 7. Let's begin reading at verse 1. It says, or Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if he dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, interesting, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress that she has married another man, okay? So the offending person needs to work through things. All right, everyone clear? All right, now let me say it this way. Uh, this is real world, folks. So we're all adults in here. Are we all grown? And you can't pray for them to be killed. 
You all laughing. Well, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You all laughing. Man, listen. You cannot pull up in the garage. They're asleep. Close the garage. Leave the car running. And go in the house. Oh, I did. I thought they would wake up. Stuff like this happens, folks. All the time. All around the world. You'd be surprised. People pray that something happened to their spouse. Because they know. Church people saved. All right, so single people, before I go further, you want to navigate slowly. But correctly, right? Not in fear, but correctly. Get all the information. Listen to me. Without your bodies being involved. Let me try this side over here. Because you can't think straight with your body involved. I mean, something else getting ready to take over. And all logic is getting ready to go out the door. I mean, you begin to justify everything. Because of that feeling. Come on, somebody. The bodies are apart. You can be sober and use good judgment. All right. So now, it is possible for marriage, as we've learned, to result in adultery. Unless fornication was the cause of divorce, remarriage is adultery. Okay, I'm just, I didn't find any balance with that, which is why, again, we want to think this all the way through. We know that, again, remarriage is the only scriptural grounds uh, for the two individuals where adultery or sexual immorality is not the reason for the separation. I mean, even if they go through with the divorce, God desires for them to get back together. And how many know two divorced people that were previously married, I know marriages like this, can come back together, and, man, it could be so sweet, the same marriage the second time around. I know them that have renewed their wedding vows. Broke, tore up marriage the first 10 years, beautiful marriage now going forward. I mean, a lot of times people get married and they have bad information. Then they grow in the marriage and then they're ready to do it the right way. All right? So now, I want to get somewhere tonight. Now let's talk about, I think everyone's clear on that, right? Everyone clear? Everything I've said up to that point? All right, let's talk about the widows. We're going to talk about the young widow and the aged widow. And then I want to pray about some things tonight. I believe God's calling linked up church to do. All right. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And to save time, I'm going to read out of the Message Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 3. When you get there, say amen. 1 Timothy chapter 3. All right. Are you all there? He's talking to two different groups of widows here, the young widow and the aged widow. Does everyone in here know what a widow is? All right. Just in case you don't, that is someone that their spouse has died. All right. Let's read here. Verse 1. If anyone, well, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Where did I tell you to go? I'm sorry. Chapter 5. Let's begin reading at verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 5, let's begin reading at verse 3. It says here, take care of widows who are destitute. I believe the King James Version says, who are widows indeed, right? Which tells you then there are widows who are widows, but it's something else going on there, right? So now we're going to understand what a widow indeed is or what a true widow is. Take care of widows who are destitute. They do not have assistance from other places, okay? Let me show you where their primary assistance should come from. If a widow has family members to take care of her, I'm reading out of the Message Bible, let them learn that religion begins at their own doorstep and that they should pay back with gratitude some of what they have received. So in other words, the children and the grandchildren should be appreciative of what the parents have done for them or grandparents have done for them, provided for them, and should be willing to take care of them in a good way. 
They shouldn't be sitting in houses that are nasty, unclean. Hello, somebody. Their grass should be cut, and the children and grandchildren should collectively work together to make sure that the widow, male or female, is taken care of. Now, how strong can I be? I mean, in other communities, they get this. I'm not even talking color here. In our community, we don't get this. And the church is, is going to address this and have a responsibility in it. But I will not take the responsibility away from the family members in an effort to help people. We've got to find out where's the family at first. All right, let's keep going. And so there'll be policy, procedure, all kind of different things. But a church has a responsibility to true widows. And it'll be our pleasure to take care of them and help them live out the rest of their life in peace when their families abandon them. We're going to show them that they have a family that's even stronger than their blood family. And that's the family of God. Let's keep reading here. So now, take care of widows who are destitute. If a widow has family members to take care of her, then they should do that, right? It's their responsibility first. It goes on to say, this pleases God immensely. You can tell a legitimate widow by the way she has put all her hope in God, praying to him constantly for the needs of others as well as her own. But a widow who exploits people's emotions and pocketbooks, well, There's nothing to her. Now, let's read. Let's understand this slowly. When she's serving at the church, trying to help other people, how many know she is qualified to receive help herself? But when she cares about no other people and does nothing for other people, but she's just causing problems and trying to play on people's emotions and, 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 and take money out of their pocketbooks, then we need to put everybody in the building on notice who she is. And watch out for her. Now, how many know this wouldn't be in the Bible if people didn't do stuff like this? When I pastored in Orlando, they will tell you they were members of the church. Same lady almost every other week. Uh, Well, let me just move on. She was milking everybody in the church. Listen to me. Got me a few times. Till I figured it out. Then listen to this. This is amazing. Then I offered her a job to clean the church up. And we will make sure that you get compensated for that every week. Listen to this. To cover what your living expenses are and food. That was offensive to her. I don't have time to do that. Well, you don't have time to eat then. So now, how many of us getting serious now? So now I'm saying, we can't help you no more. We're done. We'll help you help yourself. Because she was perfectly healthy. Could walk up there. Come on, somebody shout in the service. Every moment, at that same little moment in the service, she'd come down front. <laughs> she was healthy. How many of y'all are glad the Bible is just clear? Isn't it good? The Bible is clear, isn't it? Okay, let's keep reading here. This pleases God immensely. You can tell a legitimate widow, by the way, she has put all her hope in God, praying to him constantly for the needs of others. So see, she's going to be interested in that as well as her own. But a widow who exploits people's emotions and pocketbooks, what is nothing to her? Tell these things to the people so that they will not do the right thing in their, so that they'll do the right thing in their extended families. You all see that? So he's really saying two things here. Tell the people about the one, but then also tell the people so that they'll do the right thing for their extended families. Everyone in here, if you have elderly parents and and, and you're the children, you should be involved in some aspect of grandchildren and trying to help them out. Let me try this side of the room. And listen, this is what, this is why, man, God bless you, Patricia Gregory. And you should never say we're not in a position to help. Because in most cases, your parents sacrificed everything that they had. And they weren't in a position either. But they gave you everything that they had. 
And if you grew up like I did, your grandmother was just as much your mother as your mother was. Come on, somebody. And she cooked, and she fed you, and she picked you up from school, and she bought you clothes. And you should be very concerned about them living out the rest of their life good. Now, listen to me. Even if it inconveniences you. I'll never forget this. My wife and I, we had just worked hard two and a half years to pay off our home and all of our debt. You know what the Lord said? Now give the house to your mother. Now, how I many you know I can't do that without talking to my wife? Because she has parents too. And what was interesting to me, she was all in. But which meant we had to go another $200,000 back in the hole because we bought her house. I'm going to show you how good God is, right? Had no idea my mom would get sick four years later. So the insurance paid off the house that we ended up buying. So now we had two houses that were debt-free because all we did was took over the payments. We never exchanged the information. So this is why if anything happens to my wife's parents, either one of them, they have an open door to come to our home and stay there for the rest of their lives. Now, can I just be honest? Because you know I'm transparent. In the natural, I wouldn't want either one of them to stay there. <laughs> I mean, you know, my wife could have felt the same way. She didn't. But, but, but because it's an honor issue, I mean, I'm getting ready to get my heart right. Amen. See that? See that? <laughs> and getting ready to treat them like they're my own blood parents. Okay? Everybody's still with me out here. And you should be making plans and provisions now for when they get elderly so you can do something for them. All right. All right. What verse did I leave off at? All right, let's pick up at verse 8. Anyone who neglects to care for family members in need repudiates the faith. That's worse than refusing to believe in the first place. Now, sign some widows up for special ministry of offering assistance, all right? So this means, watch this now. He's going to show you the difference between the church and the family. So, and, and there's an age that the Scripture talks about that we would stick to that as well. And so there are some widows who, I mean, you know, the church needs to have a program in place that assists them. Churches don't do this anymore, but they should. And God will bless those churches immensely, right? One day, Linked Up Church is going to have, I might name it after my mother, something called Jody's House. But we're going to have senior citizen and widow living. That helps offset whatever their assisted income is so that they can live out the rest of their life comfortably. And watch, we're going to get all kind of grants and assistance and all kind of stuff to help us do that. Would you join your faith with mine for that right now? In Jesus' name. It's going to be somewhere near the church where they can walk right over to the church, come over to service. It's easy to pick them up so that they can get to church and, and feel cared about for the rest of their lives. Linked up church, mark my words, we'll do that. All right, so watch this now. So now. Some sign some widows up for special ministry of offering assistance. They will in turn receive support from the church. They must be over 60, married only once, so we can't have somebody that's just been running through situations. <laughs> Isn't this interesting? Standards. Interesting language here. Married only once and have a reputation for helping out with children, strangers, tired Christians, uh, the hurt and the trouble. So now we're talking about someone 60 or over who serves. Isn't this good? 
right? And the church should help assist these individuals. Now, watch this. Don't put young widows on this list. Now, what's a young widow based off of what we just read? Under 60, right? So you know why you don't put a young widow on this list? Because she should be thinking about getting married again. Am I pre- Ain't no doubt about that, right? Am I preaching real good? <laughs> she should be thinking about getting, I'll leave that alone, but she should be thinking about what's out there and what her options are. I mean, Stella need to get her groove back in a good way. Take as much time as you need to mourn that situation, but at some point, it's time to get back in the game. Come on, somebody need to go to God and say, put me in the game, coach. Put me in the game. Am I right or wrong? And then there's some real spry ones over 60. Full of energy. Listen to me, I'm going to free some people up. And if that's where you're at, listen, hey, that's where you're at. Make it do what it do. Just make it do it the right way. You know what I'm saying? And don't be ashamed of it either. I'm talking about fix yourself up. Get all your mojo back. You know what I'm saying? Go get your hair done. Get a new outfit. Come on, get your toes done. And feel good about yourself. And show yourself and your future spouse. You still got it. Come on, I wish I had somebody that would say amen in this place. I don't know if I'd ever marry again if anything was happening to my wife. Nothing would happen to my wife. I don't know because today, obviously, I'm very happy. I couldn't think about going through all of that again. But how many know it's comforting to know that, man, the Bible says marry again. I'm getting ready to show it to you. Let's keep reading. And matter of fact, I'm going to pray for somebody. I'm just led to pray for somebody over here. Father, Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, there's some anointing on that right there. I said, mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Send the right one mm, that loves you. Educated. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Serves. Oh, and in good health. Physically fit. In Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. Come on, send it on. Send him, Lord. Send him. Why, why is God having me free people up like that? Because some people think it's humble and honorable to live by yourself for the rest of your life. Listen, not if, you, not if, if your body is still talking to you. I just don't know any other way to say this. I mean, we're all grown folks, right? And, and how you, you know, I mean, if your body's still, I mean, you, you're still walking around. You need to start praying about what that next level looks like. <laughs> so notice what he said. Don't put young widows on this list. Don't do it. No sooner will they get on the list that they'll want to get off. Obsessed with wanting to get a husband rather than serving Christ in this way. Now, I was having fun with it, but isn't that what the Bible just said? Those needs are going to begin to drive them towards needing a spouse. And that is okay. So, so what is the conclusion of the matter if a person is a widow indeed? If the need is still there, listen, go for it. In Jesus' name. I don't know why God has me encouraging her over there, but we just let God be God, right? right? Isn't the scripture saying the exact same thing? How would you know? See, how would you know? You would know based off of desire. If you don't have a desire, then you're good. But if you had a desire, God gave it to you. How many know he wants to meet that need? There is life after that. And there's a good life after divorce and being a widow. 
You just got to open yourself up to it. I'm telling you, I'm just led to say that to somebody in here. I'm telling you, you've been, God wants you to be married more than you want to be married. But you've kind of seen yourself a, situ- a certain way, and you allow yourself to condemn yourself when God has never condemned you. And you've got to just let it go and let God do what he wants to do in your future situation. Never will replace what you used to have, but how many know it'll still be something that'll make life special for you for the rest of your life? And in some cases, it needs to replace what you used to have. Somebody need to say a real strong yeah, man, right there. All right, let's close this out with these last few thoughts. So, she's going to be obsessed with wanting to get a husband rather than serving Christ in this way. By breaking their word, they're liable to go from bad to worse, frittering away their days on empty talk, gossip, and trivialty. So this shows you then a woman who has a desire to be married, she's going to have too much time on her hands to get involved in idle stuff that she doesn't need to get involved in. I didn't say that. The Bible said that, didn't it? Idle talk, gossip, all these other things. So you might as well embrace it if you know that the desire is there, right? And and God is faithful. He'll send someone into your life as long as you cooperate with the Spirit of God. I mean, he'll send something into your life that will bless you to no end. Somebody ought to receive that in here. And he wants to send them into your life. All right? So, so we see the aged widows. We're to take care of them. The families that are primary responsibility. Then the church. And the ones that are under 60, they need a husband or a wife. If they're still needy. Right? Which tells you. This tells me something else, too. Life can still be very fulfilling at 60 and beyond. Amen, right? All right. No, I'd rather the young widows go ahead, get married in the first place, have children. So this shows you then that they can, if they're of age, right, they can continue to have children and they want, uh, it's, it's desired here, manage their homes and not give critics any foothold for finding fault. Some of them have already left and gone after Satan. See, they're not focused and they've gone back out into the world. Right? So, so for a widow who's a widow indeed, if she's under 60, she's got two options. Serve God with everything that she has or believe God for a marriage. But serve God until the marriage shows up. Amen. Right? If she's over the age of 60, her family should be very involved in taking care of her. If the family has neglected her, then the church needs to get involved. Right? Everybody clear? All right. Now. Let's look at an example of that. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, let's read verse 36 through 38. Luke chapter 2, 36 says, Anna the prophetess, who also there a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, she was by now a very old woman. How many of you know, the Bible's getting ready to show us what's considered very old, right? She's a very old woman. She had been married seven years Seven years and a widow for 84 years. So what's that, 91? Right? Is that 91 years? All right. So she's at least 91. Now, I would say about that time, it's time to commit yourself to prayer unless God's doing something supernatural in your life. Would anyone else agree with this? Right? So, But now notice how the scripture honors her. She never left the temple area, worshiping night and day with her fastings and prayers. The very time Simeon was praying, she showed up, broke into an anthem of praises to God, and talked about the child to all who were waiting, expecting for the freeing of Jerusalem. So God honored her so much that he told her when Jesus had arrived. Because in her widowhood, 
She spent that time serving God. Okay, everybody see that? All right, so now, I want to pray over something, then I'm going to wrap all of this up and tell you where we'll go from here. If you all would, just stretch your hands towards me. I want to pray over something for Linked Up Church. All right, and then we're going to take about two minutes or so. It's 8.08, so we're not in bad time. But I want you to stretch your hands towards me, and let's pray right now. Father, you have a timing for this church to engage in taking care of widows who are widows indeed. And so, Father, you birthed this in my heart years ago. And now it's becoming stronger and stronger. And so, Father, we're calling in every financial resource, every building, Father, discipline, skills, grant writers, Father. We're calling them in right now from the north, south, east, and the west to build a first-class facility that will house true widows, Father, and the elderly that those families have abandoned them. And so, Father, I declare and I decree right now that we will have apartment complexes, Father, to serve the needs of these individuals, and it will be close to our permanent church home in the Cobb County area. And, Father, should you desire it, wherever we have satellite churches, prop up one right near there, Father, so it becomes a part of the global vision of Linked Up Church, Father. And I believe that we have it now, and I give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. We will be involved in helping out elderly people. All right. Now, let's close this up. What have we said up to this point? Whether you're single by choice or by circumstance, how many know your singleness should still be a blessing to you? If you don't enjoy you, just think about it this way. No one else will enjoy you either. So you've got to get to a place where your solitude, you've mastered that and you enjoy your time with yourself. Because when you enjoy you, it's easy for you to give away yourself to someone else and bring that joy into someone else's life. When you have solitude, it frees you up from care, distress, pressure, right? And, and, and also during times of distress, it's good to be single and whole because you can work through your situations on your own and you don't need to take anyone else through it. And the greatest gift you can give yourself is the gift of wholeness, right? And so work on you during your season of singleness and embrace that time. It's a freedom for you to serve the Lord, right, in ways that married people cannot. Every single person should serve Christ, either in small groups or on the dream team. I need a little better amen than that. And what you'll find is you'll discover people in their service to God. And gifts will begin to come together and God will put gifts together and all of these things will begin to happen as you serve Christ. Singleness does have its disadvantages, as we talked about, right? There's the danger of temptation. How many of y'all have learned, if you're single, it's all, it's everywhere? How many of y'all have learned that, right? But even if you're married, it doesn't go away just because you're married. So there are disadvantages. There's also the danger of loneliness. If you're experiencing loneliness, then you want to continue to grow in God to the place where you feel like you're complete in Him, right? And that's that place of solitude where you love you and you love your time with you, so whether or not someone else is around or not, you can still be happy in the presence of yourself and God. These things are so important. The danger of self-centeredness. When people don't serve, I mean, they become selfish. And all of these selfish attitudes end up in a marriage. And if you don't understand marriage, marriage is all about serving the other person, right? At unexpected times, it's all day, every day, you know, what, day, what, what usher was that? I, I'm up here ministering, and my daughter sends me a text. It's about serving your family. Dad, can you stop and get some aluminum foil uh, from the grocery store on your way home? Now, I mean, you know, I don't feel like stopping at Kroger's after ministering on the way home, right? Watch this. True story. God's my witness. All I responded was, I sure will, babe. Be honored to do it, right? She says, thank you, Dad. I love you. By the time I come in the side door with the aluminum foil, she's just standing there. And she just hugs me and lays on my shoulder 
I don't know for how long. She just wouldn't let me go, just hold me in appreciation for me serving her. How many know I'm teaching her more about marriage in those moments than anything I could ever say out of my mouth, right? And I'm teaching her more about being a mother and serving her family than anything I could say out of my mouth. How many know kids act like you act? All right. It's true. If you ever want to know who you are, just watch your kids. So, so if you want to know what your relationship looks like, if you have two children, watch how they treat each other. Because those are called learned behaviors. Okay, everybody clear? All right. All right, now. Whether you're single or married, at the end of the day, know that you are part of the family of God. You have a family. God loves you, Right? And, and, and just be good with that. All right. Now, where will we go from here? Uh, God has given me a blueprint. I've never ministered this before. Uh, but it's called the blueprint of a man. All right. And my wife is going to do the blueprint of a woman. I don't know who's going to start first, but one of us will start on next week. We'll talk about it, pray about it, but one of us will start next week. When I'm doing the blueprint of a man, I think every female should still hear it. I'll tell you why. So you'll know what it looks like. All right? There's a difference between a male and a man. He's just a male until he crosses over into what I'm getting ready to show you. Right? And so as long as he's still a male, let him maturate. Let him grow. Let him mature until he becomes a man. And it's going to be real clear when he's one. Because he's going to be two things. He's going to be responsible and he's going to be accountable. Amen. I don't know a real man that's not responsible for what he produced. All right? And it's all in the Bible. I'm going to show you the stages that he has to go through. If you get him prematurely, it's going to be just like anything else that you take out of the oven before it's ready. You're going to get it in its undeveloped state. So it's not going to have the same taste. You're not going to get the full nutrients out of it. You're all like, can we start tonight? (laughs) See, I've never ministered this before and never understood it this way. And it's simply because God is growing me up. I'm learning that I can't be who I used to be to take linked up church where it needs to be. So I'm really dying to everything that I was so that I can become everything that he's designed for me to be, right? Okay, and so I'm going for it. So it's challenging me. I now realize I have, I mean, you know, every person is like this. There are areas of my life that I'm mature in. There are areas of my life that I'm immature in. Every person in this room is like that. Marriage is the best place to see that about yourself. And so as I studied it, I said, okay, God, I've got to grow up there. She needs more in that area than what I'm giving her. And you just got to accept that. It's good stuff, isn't it? Have you all gotten anything out of this up to this point? All right, praise God. Let's just lift our hands. Let's thank the Father for what we've heard tonight. Just lift your hands. Thank the Father for what we've heard tonight. Uh, Really touching on the divorce side, uh, the remarriage side touching on the widow's side. And so, Father, thank you for clarity from your word tonight. And, Father, we are responsible for what we heard tonight, whichever aspect of it applies to us. And so help us, Father, to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers. And, Father, with a readiness and a willingness to act on what it is that we've heard. And so, Father, I pray that adjustments are being made within hearts and People are making quality decisions about their future, growth decisions, Father. You've convicted people in their spirits, Father. Father, we're believing for so much fruit to come out of these messages, Father, so that the church begins to look like what it is you've called it out to be, Father. You said that you're coming back for a church that's without spot or blemish, Father. We know it's going to start with marriage, families, and singles, Father. So help us to not just go to church, 
Help us to be the church, Father. Hallelujah. 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 While you're in that attitude of prayer tonight, I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I want to give you an opportunity, something to think about. I want to think about where your life has come, whether you know him or not. If you know him, your level of obedience or disobedience that has gotten you to the place that you're at. If you don't know him, what is it that your life has produced? And just reflect on that. God's grace is good enough to cover whichever part of that, wherever you find yourself at on your journey. So if you're in this building tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the greatest gift you can give to yourself is to receive his son as the Lord of your life and come into the kingdom and family of God. If you've never done that, I want to pray for you tonight. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm, I'm saved, but I've, I've gotten away from God and I've gotten away from the things of God. And the Spirit of God.